Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we're going to be talking about three paradoxes of shame. Now, when we look at this emotion of shame, it is so heavily tied into fear, and we have an antidote to working with shame, and that is self-compassion, which we're going to be exploring today. And along for this fearless journey is my co-pilot, Andrea Wells, the new host of Recover Strong. So Andrea, so happy to have you here again with us to talk about fear and shame and self-compassion and all these marvelous things that go into unraveling our eating disorder and building our recovery in the process. Yes. Thank you. I'm so glad to continue this. And in a really weird way, I just want to say, I'm so excited to talk about shame. (laughs) It's such a a key part of our our suffering and eating disorder recovery. And self-compassion is a big part of overcoming it. And I definitely have a personal experience with that. As as I was telling Jessica before we recorded, I'm like, this topic is getting my juices flowing. So I'm excited to dig in. I love it. That was me with like shadow. It's like, I can't wait to talk about all this really hard stuff that we don't want to talk about. So what is it about shame that really gets your juices flowing? Well, just because it was what fueled my eating disorder, living in shame and secrecy and isolation and shame around my body, fears of not being good enough. And as you know, it, it it ties into fear. Just like you said, it's, I'm ashamed of my body. Well, that's because I am afraid that I will not be loved or accepted or respected because of my body or my appearance. So that's one example of how shame and fear can tie into each other. And my juices are flowing because I just have felt and lived the transformation of going from shame to self-compassion and what a difference that has made. As I've shared before, I am in recovery from multiple mental health conditions, eating disorder, complex PTSD, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. And through my journey with all of those, self-compassion has been so key to overcoming the shame. I kind of joked in a recent episode that you'll hear me say like, oh, this is the key to recovery. And there's a lot of keys. There's a lot of locks <laughs> on this door we have to open. And I am I mean it this time, this is the like main key. This is the biggest key because you cannot hate yourself, bully yourself, beat yourself up into recovery, into healing. It just does not work. But when you live with an eating disorder, you're so used to beating yourself up and and treating yourself poorly and motivating yourself through negative motivation that that feels like that's what you have to do with recovery as well. But that's just continuing the disordered cycle and self-criticism isn't going to get you to a better life. And it's this is another thing that we've talked about before where maybe you're so used to 
not being kind to yourself or practicing self-compassion, it it doesn't feel natural or authentic. So it's another thing that you just want to consider and take baby steps towards. And remember that it really is the key. It's everything you've been doing so far has kept you where you are and where you are with your eating disorder is probably not where you want to stay. So to get somewhere else, consider something different. Consider self-compassion and you are worthy of it. It's made a huge difference for my life and it really can help you with overcoming shame and, and breaking through the fears that are ruling you right now. It really is the master key. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, we were exploring worthiness in the last lesson and something that came to mind that I didn't get to share then, but which is top of mind now is this idea of like when we're striving and hustling to try to be perfect, right? Or like not even, it doesn't even have to be the pursuit of perfection, but to make ourselves into something that we feel is good enough to be good enough, like whether it's getting straight A's in school or whatever it is, just this idea of like, I need to be the best or the best version of myself, like whatever that is that can put you into this place of like criticizing because you think that you're going to get there more. As I learned, because I've, you know, I've, I've actually reached a lot of high achievements in my life and accolades and things that have been pretty badass. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm an intelligent woman. I'm driven. I and I, I when I want something, I go after it. But for most of my life, that was driven from a core sense of unworthiness. And it was almost like when we talk about shadow, it was like I was trying to to essentially compensate for what I felt wasn't good enough. And as I've been more gentle with myself over the years with self-compassion and just allowing myself to be messy, to be flawed, all of that. And it's really opened up a whole new level of achievement, quote unquote, or, or reaching things that feel important to me or that I desire uh, or come fall short, right? Like I'm still struggling around in this relationship department. I'm working on it. I'm doing all the things that I, I know will get me there eventually, which is that part of being in the messy middle. I've talked about this before where we're like, you're not there. You don't have this shiny success story to be like, look at my badge or look at my trophy. Like It's like, I'm still struggling and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm going through the process and I'm doing, I'm doing what I need to do. And it just don't quite have that result yet. But when I when I see that part of myself who who cares, who strives, who wants to create something in our life to have something uh, transform, when I hold that with self compassion, the process just just gets much more enjoyable, and it happens easier. You still have to put the energy and the work into it, but it comes from a completely different place. And so I know I'm going to be able to continue. And I think this is why I'm talking about this. This is a common thing that people equate self-compassion with laziness or self-compassion with, you know, letting yourself get off the hook, you know, like kind of not allowing yourself to move ahead. And if you are someone who is more of an achiever, it just wants to, to grow and learn and expand in this life. We have this one precious life, like you want to make the most out of it. Self-compassion will get you there. And it's going to get you there in a healthier, happier version of yourself. So criticism could potentially get you there, but you'll be a beat down <laughs> version of yourself. Like, yeah, I was a valedictorian, but like I was on the brink of a mental health crisis and collapse and eating disorder. Like maybe I didn't need to do that. I've heard Dr. Wendy Oliver Pyatt from Within Health talk about like, just because you can doesn't mean you need to. Uh -huh. And what was driving that impulse to do that was I wanted validation from my family, right? I never actually got it either. So the whole like pursuit of that was never reached by the ultimate what I wanted. 
and maybe I could have just enjoyed high school more. <laughs> maybe I could have just had more fun and had a whole <sighs> different experience. So I just want to like put that out there that self-compassion will not hold us back from what we want. It will actually help us get there in a more present, loving, kind, gentle space. Yeah. No, I, I relate to struggling with like overachieving and feeling like you have to do all the things and burning yourself out. And if you value achievement and you are a goal-oriented person and you value accomplishing stuff, like that's great. You can do that. But but with so many things in life, you can go about it in a super toxic way that is hurting you or you can go about it in a helpful, healthy way. So it's really just about changing your approach and switching from shame-oriented to self-compassion is another way that can help you overcome overachieving as well. Yeah. It's about longevity. I think that's what I was trying to touch on in so many words. Yeah. I was also thinking of the word like sustainable. Yeah. Like sustainable. It's like you're looking at this longevity around it. And so self-compassion is, yeah, if we think about like growing something, sure, criticism and harsh judgment around self can, you can get somewhere further faster because you're literally flogging yourself and like, go whip, like faster, faster. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. But at the, some point you're going to break down and at some point you're going to be tired and be like, this is no fun. I don't like, this sucks and burned out yeah. or whatever. And then, but self-compassion is just like giving yourself a little massage on the way and like pumping yourself up. Hey, how about we take a break? You've been going really hard. Like take a day off, take a whole weekend off, like do what you need to do, self-care. All of that. Uh, so much about self-compassion that, that we could talk about. We have a, we have a three-part series from last fall on this too, if you want to dig into self-compassion even more. Yes. And Andrea on Recover Strong will continue to bring on experts who can share their wisdom on self-compassion. And, and of course, will be a part of Love and Learn because to truly love oneself, it you need to meet yourself with self-compassion because it's the parts of ourselves that we don't love, right? That we, the parts of ourselves that we reject, that we deny, that ultimately need to be looked at from a place of self-compassion, just to be, to hold all these parts of self that just feel so unlovable and to be like a good mother and just say, my dear, like, I see how hard this is for you and you're still lovable, even with this part of you and how much pain and shame you feel with it. So, Let's dive into this lesson where we explore these three paradoxes of shame and how self-compassion really ties into to working with this emotion and not against this emotion. In our lesson today, we are going to look at how cultivating self-compassion can help you discover new ways to work through shame and fear. In our previous lesson, we discussed how shame lies beneath the primary fears of not being enough and that we won't be loved. Dr. Brene Brown, expert and researcher of shame, defines shame as, quote, the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, end quote. So now, after hearing this definition, you can see why shame is beneath the primary fears of not being good enough and that we won't be loved. Shame is basically the fear of being unlovable and not good enough. In her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Dr. Brene Brown says, quote, shame is all about fear. We're afraid that people won't like us if they know the truth about who we are. 
where we come from, what we believe, how much we're struggling, or believe it or not, how wonderful we are when we're soaring. Sometimes it's just as hard to own our strengths as our struggles, end quote. Now here's the thing about shame. First, you need to know that we all have it. It is a universal emotion. You have it. I have it. Your hairstylist has it. Your friends have it. Your doctor has it. Your lawyer has it. Your accountant has it. Your coach has it. Everybody has it. Second thing is we're all afraid to talk about shame. It's not the hottest thing to talk about at a party. It tends to lie within our own personal darkness. And we talked about that in terms of our shadow and things that we don't feel comfortable having people know about us or unconsciously not even knowing about our own selves. And third, the less we talk about shame, the more control it has over our lives. So shame absolutely loves when we don't talk about it. That's how it gets stronger. In order to grow shame, you need three things. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. And when you combine those three things, secrecy, silence, and judgment, shame will grow. So the key to stopping shame's growth and reducing its impact on your life is to recognize what triggers it in you? What expectations of self do you have that will trigger it? What are external circumstances that will trigger it? And start to label it when you are experiencing shame. And talk about it with people that you trust. And one of the best antidotes to shame is the practice of self-compassion. And this is a way for you to self-soothe and be there for yourself in these painful moments when you're experiencing shame. I was fortunate to learn from two of the leading researchers in self-compassion at a mindfulness-based self-compassion program and retreat with Dr. Kristen Neff and Dr. Christopher Germer. And I encourage you to check out their work as guides for learning more around self-compassion. Now, Dr. Christopher Germer said, quote, a moment of self-compassion can change your entire day. A string of such moments can change the course of your entire life, end quote. And this has totally been my direct experience and the experience of countless students that I've taught this life-changing practice to. Self-compassion is the antidote to shame. It is beyond important to learn this practice. You've most likely tried to criticize yourself into becoming a better person, when self-compassion is the way to truly unlock your full potential and shine. Through the practice of self-compassion, we can begin to hold ourselves in a loving embrace, just as we are as imperfect human beings, every single one of us. And we really need to learn to love ourselves in this very condition, with our shame. When chronic fear is upheld by shame and we address the shame, the fear will collapse. Now, what's important to know is that there's many reasons why we feel shame. One is cultural. It has no foundation. It's purely arbitrary in that it's cultural, but we take it in as if it were real. Now, think about 
all of the cultural messages of beauty that have corrupted a woman or any person's sense of self-worth and value. And when the culture devalues any person, we take it in as an evaluation of self. Now, this can lead to a lot of anger or and repressed anger. And we either, we, either we get broken by it with depression and anxiety and self-abuse, or we get enraged and mad at it. But ultimately, what we want to do is be free of it. Another reason people develop shame is because of an early childhood experience like neglect or abuse, and they end up just taking it on. They can believe that I was treated like this because something is wrong with me, or obviously, you know, I'm not lovable. Why would my mother do this to me? Why would my mother not have loved me? Or why would my father have left me or not protected me? And in addition to, so in addition to the cultural shame and early childhood experiences of shame, there's also intergenerational shame, something somebody did two generations ago. There are a lot of reasons why we feel shame. Ultimately, if it is in us and we haven't been able to name it as shame and we haven't been able to find a way to be kind to ourselves in that cultural or personal wound, if we haven't engage that pain, we're going to spend most of our lives trying to protect ourselves against the pain. And one of the most common ways of doing that is with anger. Or when anger gets turned inward, it often manifests as depression and anxiety. So this repressed anger taken out now on the self. When shame is repressed, denied, or defended against, we behave really badly. We hurt ourselves and others. Now, the flip side of it is that when we look at shame very closely and through the eyes of compassion, we discover some pretty remarkable things. Firstly, we discover it is an innocent emotion because it arises from the wish to be loved. All of us have been born with the wish to be loved. In a moment of shame, we can say, I feel this way because I just want to be loved. I only want to be loved. Or, I only want to be loved. This is why I feel like this. And if we can connect with the wish to be loved behind the shame, the shame begins to dissolve. So that's the first thing. Shame feels blameworthy, but it's innocent. The second is shame feels permanent and all-encompassing but it's actually like any emotion, it's temporary. And the third and final thing is shame makes us feel separate and alone, but it's actually a universal emotion, the purpose of which is to keep us connected. And that's the ironic thing. Shame is an adaptive emotion to help us stay connected, yet leads to our most profound states of disconnection. So these are three paradoxes about shame. When we notice these things about shame, particularly that it's an innocent emotion that rises from our desire to be loved and it's not going to last forever, it becomes workable. But we can only know this through the eyes of compassion. We can give ourselves this compassion. When we are compassionate with ourselves because we feel shame and can see through shame with self-compassion, it gets softer. The anger depression, and fear begin to lighten. 
When we can discover shame and bring kindness to ourselves in the midst of shame, because we are just human, our lives become so much easier. Now, this is one of the main, really powerful aspects of self-compassion. Self-compassion is a truly revolutionary practice and starts with you understanding its three basic components defined by Dr. Kristen Neff. In her research, she found that there are three core components. The first one is self-kindness. Now, self-kindness means being warm and understanding toward yourself when you suffer, fail, or feel inadequate rather than ignoring your pain or beating yourself up with self-criticism. So it's really about how would you treat someone that you love? If someone you loved was going through the exact same experience as you were, what would you say to them? How would you treat them? How would you interact with them? So this first component is really about self-kindness versus self-criticism. The second component is mindfulness. Now, mindfulness means taking a balanced approach to negative emotions. So they're not stuffed down and suppressed, nor are they exaggerated, but they're witnessed and observed. We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. So mindfulness requires that we see our pain, that we witness, we bear witness to it. At the same time, we don't over-identify with our thoughts and feelings. So for the second component, it's really about mindfulness versus over-identification. And the last component, the third component, is common humanity. Now, common humanity means recognizing that suffering and feelings of personal inadequacy are part of the shared human experience. As I mentioned earlier in this lesson, we all have shame. This is something that you are not just going through alone. It's not just a problem that is specific to you. So for this third component, it's recognizing that common humanity, that we all are part of this shared experience, common humanity that you are not alone in your experience versus the isolation of thinking you are the sole person to be struggling with this emotion or this problem. The greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So let's not waste another moment of our precious lives holding ourselves back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back you can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.